Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. All right, that was a, that's a roller coaster there. Uh, and I don't want to be the, the preacher in the room, right? That's like, but I think every time something like that happens, it's worth noting that for everything we did this for wasn't just to get together. Like we didn't just plan this service so that you and I could get together and like do some semi-uncomfortable things together. Sing, maybe not too loud so the person could hear. No, we did it so that we could experience God and that every time we get together to do that, there is a force working as hard as it can to keep us from doing that. And every time these things happen, we have to take note that we don't just fight against technology, but against these powers that we can't understand. And so it's worth noting that something today is worth listening to, not because I'm here, but because God's word is open and there's something that can happen if we allow it to happen. There's something that can be overcome because it's something's worth overcoming. If not, Claiborne's right. We should have just packed up and went home because truthfully, it might have been easier. But some guy, Milt, went in and threw the breakers and we just, we didn't know what it would do. He's like, is it okay? Yeah, you're my ball. Yeah, whatever you want to do, it's throw them. He threw the breakers and it turned off. Sorry, Claiborne, it only was for me and not you, but, <laughs> right? It's just part of doing it. But don't lose sight that there was a force working against this message and this time and this worship because it's worth overcoming. It's good to be here. We're in a series called Ambassadors in a Foreign Land. And Nick was here, did a phenomenal job. And it's this idea that for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, the message we take to places that we go is not our own. It is the message of what Jesus did for us, despite us, to us, and we accepted that, and because of that, we have something worth telling. The message of our salvation, the message of what Jesus did for us, and we take that to the places we go. Last week's big idea was this. There are two kingdoms. Which one are you living for? There's a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. The problem is it doesn't have a sign that says kingdom of light over here and kingdom of darkness over here, where we just get to pick the hallway or pick the room. No, and Nick said it so well that what happens a lot of times is the light and the darkness seems to get, although it's not possible, we culturally mix it together and it produces blows protected from the world by themselves doing nothing, taking no message. The message of Jesus goes nowhere. But, but it's sad because we're not just followers, we're sent. And we're not just sent to go represent ourselves and make a living and do the best we can. No, we're sent to take a message that isn't our own. An ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. One place sends you to another place. 2 Corinthians 5, 19-20 says this, For God in Christ, through Jesus, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and He gave us this wonderful message. That's good news. 
The shame you feel, the burden you carry, the lack of whatever you feel in your life has been not just said, it's okay, we love you anyway, but it's been reconciled with love beyond that. It's been made better. So we are Christ's ambassadors. We are representatives of a country to another country. This world is not heaven. And every time and for every moment we live on this earth, we are here as followers of Jesus, for those in the room that are. We no longer have a message of our own. Now, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not a Christ follower, listen, good news. We're glad you're here. But the bad news is that if you continue to pursue your own end, you will never be satisfied. That's what the story of Jesus is called good news because the story of you living for yourself is so bad. But I don't have to convince you of that because if you've been living for yourself, you know that. I don't have to convince you that doing things for your own end is at some point not beneficial. You can try to protect yourself. You can try to live for yourself. You can try to bring joy to yourself. Those are things that I understand the nobility in trying to pursue them. But you know, I don't have to tell you, they're, they're horrible. The ending is no good. And there's no end to it. It just wants more. You always want more. The only satisfaction, the only stopping of more is the truth of Jesus Christ because he is all we need. That's good news. But good news needs bad news. Bad news is you and me living for ourselves. But you already know that. Because God is making his appeal through us. Hey, it doesn't have to be that way. You do not have to live as a slave to your own means. You do not have to live as a slave to your own desires. You do not have to live as a slave to your own addictions. There is a story in you that you no longer have to live as, but you don't have to be ashamed of either. Because Jesus has reconciled you. He has made you right. So we go and we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. That's our message. Hey, for those of you in this room, you may be a follower of Jesus. You may have come to a vacation Bible school and you may say, it's been a long time since I've considered that and God is say, saying to you, come back. For those of you in this room that do not know Jesus, not a real relationship, you know religious Jesus, you know the, the person of Jesus, you know God in this overarching sense, but you don't understand this love and deep desire that God has for you in sending Jesus. And as a result, you've just never accepted that. That's a real decision. There is a line and you stand on one side and you cross over the other side, that line. That's the message that we take. Come back to God. I, uh, today we, we walk down this path of living in a country that you don't agree with. I'm not talking political disagreement. That exists. I get it. I'm not talking left and right. I'm talking that how do you live in a foreign land and respect and love the people in that land that you're trying to tell in some way the way you're doing it is wrong. That's, that's the thing. It's not about if we're right. It's about being effective. When we go to places and we live in these lands 
that you're being sent. And listen, they're not as distant as it sounds. You live in a home that you may, even though those children are from you, you may walk in that home and they seem like aliens, right? You seem, you're like, whoa, how did you think that was right? They don't think like you. They don't act like you. It isn't your job to tell them how right you are. In that household, you were sent there in a foreign land to tell them, come back to God. In your marriage, no matter how wayward your spouse was, is, or is going to be, you have a message to take to them, and it's not how wrong they are. It's how much God loves them. You were sent to that land, no matter how foreign it feels, so that they may come to know Jesus. Your workplace, it isn't there so that you could pay your foreign land kids to live a better life. No, you were sent there so that you may say to them, come back to God. Everywhere we go, those are the foreign lands. You do not have to sell your home. You do not have to move to a faraway place. You do not have to be like Nick and Bethany and move to Lebanon. His story is powerful. I hope it was challenging to you. But if we don't love and share in the lands we have already been put, there will be no reason to go to any other land. How do we love them? It's our big idea, and it's this. There are two kingdoms. How do you disagree with one and still respect it? Come back to God is not to be said in a trite way. Come back to God is not to be said in a way that's disrespectful. It says in 1 Peter 3.15, he's telling them how to live, and he says this, instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this, listen, in a gentle and respectful way. There's a pastor here, Pastor Larry, and he says this, do you want to be right or do you want to get right? We were sent to be effective we were sent to be useful. We weren't sent to let everyone know how right we were. We weren't sent to set the record straight. Jesus shows us that. Everywhere that we've been sent, we've been sent to be ambassadors. And if we don't see our homes and our families, our workplaces, our neighborhoods as places that we have been sent, not happenstance, not just a coincidence, but these are lands that we've been sent to that we must live intentionally for Jesus. Not just, but to say the hope that we have is that we were dead, but through Jesus, God raised us up in life and he could do the same thing for you. That's good news today. Jesus was in a distant land and he gave us clear guidelines for how to interact in the places we are, put the right things in the right perspective, and keep our eye on the message we carry as ambassadors. He never got in the weeds. Jesus never got hung up. He never got stuck in a conversation about politics. And they tried. Matthew 22, 17 through 21 says this. They were trying to trick Jesus. They were trying to get him to say something that they could kill him for. It's Jesus. He's done this a million times. I don't know why they thought this would work, but he, 
but it benefits us today, so here we go. Now tell us what you think about this. Is it right, Jesus, to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus knew their evil motives, and he said, you hypocrites. Why are you trying to trap me? Here, show me the coin used for the tax. So when they handed him a Roman coin, he asked, whose picture and title are stamped on this? Caesar's, they replied. Well, then he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. He wasn't saying don't care about the government. He wasn't saying don't be active. Don't be an activist. I think there's a lot that could be said, but again, it's one of those deals that I don't have to tell you. You already know the perspective of your political view and the perspective of your message of Jesus. And if one is bigger than the other, there's one that should be bigger than the other and there's one that shouldn't be bigger than the other. So my question is not how many posts you made about your political stance. It's how many posts or more importantly, conversations are you in that involve the good news of Jesus saving and changing the life of someone else. That's your own balance. What are you doing for Jesus more than for whatever political, civil stance you're on? And what Jesus is saying here is that very same thing. This is not the most important thing. You should be paying your taxes. Pay your taxes. You should not be a menace to society. I use that term a lot, mostly with drivers. But you should not be a menace to society. You, you should not be someone they even know about. Unless, unless, it's because you're giving to God what belongs to God. Jesus would eventually be murdered by this government and those asking these ridiculous questions, but not because they were right. Jesus wasn't murdered because they finally caught him. Jesus was murdered because there was something bigger for him to do. He was not there to change the political landscape. He was there to save the world. And I'm here today because Jesus came and didn't change the government, but he changed the world. And a little boy, face down on his waterbed, could ask Jesus to come into his heart and change his life and save him from the circumstances he was in. Because that good news 2,000 years later was still true. Because Jesus didn't say, vote me. My face should be on this coin. He said, this coin is insignificant compared to the significance of what will happen. Jesus was saving himself because he didn't represent himself on this earth. He represented God. His message is the message that you and I should be living. He didn't just say what to do. He showed us what to do in saying this. No, there's a bigger picture. There's a bigger story. He modeled how to be an ambassador. Now, Paul was also an ambassador. Paul also understood this living in a world, living, there were two kingdoms, and that he, his job wasn't to hate the kingdom he was not in, but it was to love that kingdom and bring that kingdom to the good news, to come back to God. 
It's 1 Corinthians 9, 19-21. Paul says, even though I'm a free man with no master, I have become a slave, a doulos in Greek, to all people to bring many to Christ. Even though I could do what I want, even though I am free, I am no longer a slave. I have become a slave so that people may come to Jesus. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under the law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who were under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ, but I do not ignore the law of God, and I obey the law of Christ. Paul is explaining his approach to respecting the people, places, and cultures he goes into. He's not exploiting grace. He's not saying, do whatever you want, it's okay, just, just make everybody feel comfortable. He's saying, listen, we were sent. We are sent. We were not saved for ourselves. This isn't a message for me. It is a message for someone else. In our miserable, dissatisfying lives that at night you know is not because you don't have enough. It's because your what is enough is not right. And Paul is saying, no, where you go, you, you could do whatever you want. You could get all you could get. But I don't do that, Paul says, because I put myself in a place so that people will come to know Jesus. Yes, I'm right. They're wrong. He knows. He's, a, he's been saved by Jesus. He talks about the unnecessary parts of the law. But he says, when I'm with the people that are doing law, I don't go, hey, you guys are dumb. He goes, I just, because I, living by the law doesn't hurt if you know why the law exists. The law didn't exist to, sh to make you right. The law existed to show you could never be right and how much you needed Jesus. He says, so you can live under the law because I know I needed Jesus and I accepted him on the road to Damascus. This is the same man who wrote this in Philippians 1.21, which says, for me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. And he goes on to say, I'm torn because I'd like to die to be with Jesus, but to live here is satisfying because I fulfill this purpose that's what I'm created for. You are God's workmanship, Ephesians 2.10. Created in Christ Jesus for the good works He created you to do. And there's nothing more disappointing than someone who's doing not what they were created for. But guess what? It doesn't mean everybody has to pack up and move because then no one would live here. And not everyone could go there because then no one would be here. There, it's not about where you're going. It's about realizing where you've already been sent. Paul's saying, no, as I walk through my life in the places that I go, I act as if not to compromise the beliefs I have, but to make sure that the people understand the humility of the Savior. That's what we're doing. Because it says this. Paul is modeling what he writes in second in Philippians 2 here, verse 3. He said, okay, to live as Christ. Well, how did Christ live? Here's how Christ lived. Philippians 2, we're going to start. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take it in an interest in others too. Can I stop you? 
So I've got this daughter. She's seven. She's, we, uh, we fostered her out of a horrific situation, right? Horrific. Uh, just horrible. And someday it's her story to tell. But she has no reason to care about anybody else. She has no reason to want to know about anybody. She has every reason to protect herself. She has every reason to want what she can get. She has every reason, but, but that's not how she is. And I know this, and I'll tell you this, because just the other day she said, Dad, you know the two things I want to know about people? No, I don't, Courtney. Their favorite color and what animal they'd like to be. And if you don't believe me, lady comes up to my friend Lee. She's right over there. She said she was in the stall in the restroom at VBS. She said she didn't know anybody else was in there. She hears a little tinkle. She hears the door open. She hears somebody say, ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. She didn't know to respond because it's a little kid. It's a bathroom. It's 2021. You got to be careful, right? So she says, yes. She goes, What's your favorite color? She didn't know. She's like, uh, ma'am, did you hear me? I said, what's your favorite color? She said, red. Mine's rainbow. Washed her hands. Lee comes out. She looks down. It's Courtney, my daughter. She says, Courtney, do you ask everybody that in the restroom? Yes, because I want them to know my favorite color is rainbow. Right? And I know that's a silly story, right? And it's kind of pointless in some ways, but in some ways it's interesting to see how someone in, I believe, one of the more uncomfortable places in life, the public restroom, is willing to go in. And yeah, that story would be better if she was like, ma'am, do you know Jesus Christ? Right? I get it. We're working on it. But it does say something about this idea of taking an interest in others too. That life is going and Monday's coming and Tuesday's coming and you've got things that you're wrong and you've got guilt to carry. But if we pass that guilt off on the back of Jesus Christ, then what interest could we have in someone else? What would it look like if we stopped caring about all the things in our lives and started looking outside to the truth of who Jesus is and modeled our life after him instead of ours? Because this is who he really was. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as some, something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. And because of that humility, what did God do? He raised him and elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. See, Christ modeled what it was to be an ambassador to all generations while also being the very message the world needs. And you and I have a thousand reasons we could write down on paper why the interests of others don't matter, but I could write down it, one, why you're miserable, and it's because you believe that list matters more than everybody else. And it isn't about let's all feel bad. It's about what if we just looked at a way that we could live better? Because there are two kingdoms. How do you disagree with one and still respect it? Here's how it is. 
in, back in 1 Corinthians, sorry, 22, it says this, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and to share in its blessing. Here's how you do it. You just understand that they're just people like you. And no, we don't say, hey, oh, Paul wasn't saying, hey, hey, man, if my friend has a drinking problem and the only thing I could do is get really drunk with him. No. No, hey, my friend has this problem and my friend has this problem. No, that's not how we do. That's not, we don't partake in the problem so they feel better. We, under, we let them know that we have problems too. That we're just human beings trying to figure this out. And that their problem is different than our problem, maybe. But that there was a, there's a God who loved me so much that he sent Jesus. That no matter what my problem is, it's not just something that can be overcome. Through Christ, it is overcome. That I have been reconciled back. And God is simply saying, come back to me. We're also fixated on our own rights. But Paul gave up certain rights to avoid offense towards weaker brothers and sisters. That's how we do it. We walk into these worlds and we let them know, no, we're not perfect. Here's who we are. We were dead. I wasn't just okay. I wasn't just a kid raised in a Christian home. I wasn't just a kid who didn't do this. I wasn't just a kid who did everything bad. I wasn't just a kid with this or that. You know what? I just started looking out. But then I realized that I was dead, but guess what? I heard about this message that God through Christ raised me to life. And I accepted that message and I realized that while it didn't make anything easier, it made the things in life easier. It didn't remove me from problems. It didn't make my life better, but it gave me a better reason to live. And he had a plan and a purpose that accounted for everything I did. And what I thought disqualified me didn't disqualify me. It only made me more useful to him and more of a miracle in that while I did all of these things, he still saved my life and he could do the same thing for you. And while you thought you had all this ground to make up, he was ready right when you came. And there's something for you to do, not in two years after you pay your penance and you pay your time. No, right now you can be useful. And it isn't about this just maybe and oh, I don't know and can I earn it? No, it's free. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you did do. And even the faith you'll need to believe it, he'll give you. And what if you and I went to the places that we've been sent and we did that? And we started to say, what can I do? Well, I'm going to look out for the interest of others. I'm going to genuinely be interested in someone besides myself. What would that look like if the 125, 150 people in this room did that tomorrow? We just quit crying about Monday. Quit crying about all the stuff that's going to happen. And we started to say, hey, let's look out instead of in. What if I approached Monday like that? What if I approach Monday looking out instead of in? What if I approach Monday before Sunday and said, instead of woe is me, what can God do in the worst day of the week? What can God do in the worst life of the world? What can God do in the worst person in the world? Guess what he could do? Save them, even though they were dead. And if you want a greater miracle than that, I don't know what to tell you. 
Next steps. Here's some things I think would work. Step one, become a student of the places you've been sent. Who are these people? Right? I mean, you guys have kids, right? I heard a guy say one time, he had like five kids. And he said like, to tell them how to clean the room took five different approaches. One of them, he just came in and said, clean your room. It's a disappointment. Well, they're the firstborn. He got it done, right? He's like, okay, I don't want to disappoint anybody. But then as it progressed, he had to find new tactics because everybody wasn't the same. He said, one, he had to get a, get a guitar out and like play a song and sing a sad song about cleaning the room so his daughter would cry and then clean the room up, right? Taylor Swift. Find out about the places you go. Care more about them than they care about you. Who are these people? Who are these people that you dislike at work? Who are they? Why do they act that way? Why does Jim always get to sit in that spot? Instead of being mad, you can't sit there. Why does Jim always sit there? There's got to be a good story there. What about these places that we are do you not know? And when we become students of the places we've been sent, then the lives of those places are changed because we are living like Jesus. Place yourself, step two, place yourself in a spot where you can both model and tell the story of Jesus. Where can you put yourself? Where's the most strategic position that you can place yourself so you can model who Jesus is and then, guess what? I know it's scary. Open our mouth and tell them about the hope we have. Yes, that is part of it. Lifestyle evangelism is critical, but it's critical to the point that it leads us to share the faith, the hope that we have. It's a simple thing. You can memorize Ephesians 2. You can like, get it tattooed on your arm, and you can be like, ah, man, all I could say is that I was dead in my many sins and trespasses and a child of wrath against God. You can put it right there on your forearm. It's super hip, cool to do. Don't do it in script. It might be hard to read, but just do it something, you know. Whatever it takes, that's your story of salvation, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Memorize it. It's the hope that you have. It's easy to do. But you need to strategically put yourself at a spot. And again, that takes looking out and not in. No one's coming to you. There's never going to be a comfortable time to talk about Jesus. There just isn't. That's why you want to, and you know you need to, and you put yourself there, and then you're like, it was weird. We just backed off. I get it. I totally get it. But do those things. Last one. Daily remind yourself that the message is not your own. There's no pressure here. This isn't your message. This is the message of Jesus Christ. You have just been sent. You have been sent to be effective. You have been sent to be respectful. You have been sent to be useful. But you have not been sent with your own message. You've been sent with something greater. You've been sent with something that could actually change their life. So yes, we need to walk in. But what would it look like if these... I'm going to get pastoral because I think there's 200 in here. I just want you to feel better about that. These 200 people in this room, tomorrow, today, started to just look out at the places we go 
And maybe you make up two questions. Uh, maybe you just ask Courtney. Well, if she couldn't ask those two, what else would she ask, right? I'm going to today as soon as I get home. What are things that you could put yourself in a position by looking out in the interest of others? That you could, in some of the worst places in the world, put yourself in a place of humility where others may see that there's something inside of you that is brighter than the darkness they live in. And it isn't something you fostered, it isn't something you manufactured, but there's a hope inside of you that came from Christ. That hope could be their hope too. Because we live, and there are two kingdoms. And how do you disagree with one and still respect it? You tell them how you used to be in that other kingdom. And not on your own power, and not on your own strength, but by the Spirit you came to know Jesus. And he gave you everything you needed to be right there in front of them. And they could do the same thing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, for the grace and the love that you give us. And it isn't a grace to exploit, but it's freedom in our submission, as Claiborne said earlier, to you. It's freedom in our bondage to you that others may see there is no other entanglement in our lives. And that as we worship you and as we give our life to you, there is nothing else we need. And when they see that, we may tell them, no, it's not us. But it's the hope of Jesus Christ sent by a loving God to die on the cross, be raised from the dead, and conquer death. Not so that I could just spend forever with eternity, but so that while I'm on this earth, I'd have a message worth sharing. Because I'm just a person who was dead, but now we're alive. Would you use us this week to prove that we are a body, a congregation, and a church for every generation in the places that we've been sent? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Have a good week.